listening to CPC Together, a podcast by Central Peninsula Church in the San Francisco Bay Area. I feel like every time we start these, I'm laughing, and I feel like I'm not laughing right now. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, sometimes our pre-recording discussions are deeper than others. You know, and this this one was yeah, it went, it did not go into the light zone. We could try to fabricate some energy. <laughs> Hey! Welcome to CBC! Hey! <laughs> what was that? I don't know. I was thinking like sound checks. Like, not, not sound checks, but like, like, you know how like uh, radio shows have the little. Soundboards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wah, wah, wah. We, need, we need those. We need a soundboard. I don't know how. There's got to be an app. I could just plug us in and we just Speaking go on. Speaking of iPad. apps with funny noises, I just found this app called, I think it's um, Endel. Have you heard of this thing? No. It's like allegedly, I'm sure, I'm sure if you work for Endel out there, I'm so sorry. It's probably a hoax. But it like scientifically like creates some sort of algorithm to help create music to keep you focused. Whoa. And I'm like big on like what is my deep work music? <laughs> like I need like some ambient like you know beats or steady beats or something like that. Like that's like how I get in the zone. And so I found this thing and it's <laughs> It's actually really good. Like I was using it today, and it, I think it did help. But it's like ambient music. But every once in a while, to keep you like on your toes, they have these like alien sounds like you made. Where Can it's I like, hear? Can beep beep beep, beep 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 beep? Oh, uh, okay. Hold on. And we'll we'll put it in. There. I'm on a seven day trial right now, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll uh, stay tuned. All right, right here here it is. That's kind of nice. So you like the beat. The beat would be distracting for me. Oh, I need the beat. The beat keeps moving. But this is the... So they have them for uh, wind down. Or here, here's the, the relax one. I think this is the one that's... <laughs> I, I was reading some reviews of this. And one of them said, it's certainly the music that you'd expect to hear in like an elevator at Tesla. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that's pretty that's Welcome pretty to on. the future. <laughs> But every once in a while, they don't have it here, but they keep it on your toes, and there's this, like, pew, 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 and it's, like, totally alien noises or something going does on. It, does, it, does it, like, help you? Are you I, like, oh, yeah, and like, oh, yeah, here comes the here comes the alien. Or does it kind of, like, take you out of... No, it, it, I laugh at it every time, the, but it, it's kind of like, if you imagine me deep work, and then I hear the alien noises, and I kind of just grin, like, I just kind of smile, you know? <laughs> and that's what happens, so... Welcome, Earthling. <laughs> Welcome to focus. Do your work. Are you in focus mode? <laughs> I do, uh, I'll do like a pad similar to that. Yeah. But because I'm a true believer, I listen to, it's a Christian pad. Some people say there's not inherently Christian music, but uh, this is a Christian pad. So I play that, but it's not quite enough. So what I, may, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's go back. Like... <laughs> Where did this pad find its salvation? Like, well, how is it a Christian? Well, you have to understand music theory to understand, you know. <laughs> Open fifths are good, but there's an interval called the tritone that they ref- used to refer to as the devil's tone. <laughs> the devil's tone. Yeah, it's a tritone is um, the Simpsons, da-da, that interval. Yeah, doesn't okay. That kinda sound not, like, doesn't that kind of sound like, like sound the satanic devil? a little bit? <laughs> I don't hear it. What's that say about my soul? <laughs> anyway, so the Christian pad is not quite enough. I need another texture. 
but I don't want rhythm because the rhythm that doesn't help you to like it get engages in the zone. Me. It engages me in the rhythm and okay. it makes me want to tap to the rhythm and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I do rain. Oh, I do. I am a sucker for rain sounds. Yeah. I do also deep work to rain sounds. But it is weird to me when I'm like sitting outside of like Phil's Coffee or something and it's like 85 degrees and I'm like listening to rain sounds. I can't quite get over the dissonance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you have to like. It's got to be a little foggy. Lines. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think there's something about rain that says, oh, I can't do anything today. I'm going to be productive. I'm going to be stuck inside. I can't go outside. Doing yeah. work. Yeah. I find that with this this app that I've got. What helps me is there's no break. Like, it's just continuous. It never, there's no track change. So it's just always on. Because I would find when the track change would happen, then I'd get, like, distracted about mm. what the next song is. And it'd take me forever to, like, get it back into it. Like, it would, it would disrupt it. So, like, the continuous alien sounds. That's where it's What's at. this called? Uh, Endel, I think it is. E-N-D-E-L. Endel, the official sponsor of uh, the CPC Together <laughs> CPC podcast. CPC Together <laughs> Brought, Brought to you by <laughs> Do you need to focus? Which of you said? <laughs> Do you need alien noises? Oh, it's happening again. Alien noises are happening. <laughs> Just listen to that. It is kind of nice. It's nice. I, suddenly I want to do my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even April. Yeah. Which if you need to do your taxes, <laughs> contact TurboTax now. <laughs> it's our other sponsor. Um, Kevin, you would be very proud of me about uh, last I'm, weekend. I'm so always proud of you. As you... As you know, and many of the listeners know, I had was not able to go home last week because <laughs> my whole family had COVID. Except for you. We were trying to save our vacation, and so I was staying away and ended up, our vacation was ruined anyway. It didn't matter. <laughs> but uh, I was able to reunite. Excellent. Uh, on Friday. I am and, proud of you. Reuniting with your family. But that's not why. Oh. You, you should be proud. On Saturday, it wasn't really even intentional. We had just been apart for so long that we wanted to do this. Yeah. Um, but I've been doing a lot less gigs. Didn't have a gig on Saturday. Friday night, we're hanging out, and we start this new board game we found called Ticket to Ride. So fun. Oh. It's like Settlers of Catan. Brought to you by Hasbro's. <laughs> it's like Settlers of Catan. You know Settlers, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've not, it's, I've, I have not played Settlers, but oh, I know. You would love it. I've heard it's good. You would dominate too, I'm yeah. sure. Um, but anyway, so we start playing that Friday night. It gets a little late, so we like put a hold on the game. Wake up the next morning, and we totally had ourselves a Sabbath. And we didn't. Yeah. I don't think any of us realized that we did it till after. <laughs> Wait a minute, we just Sabbathed. Yeah, it was so great. We woke up, we went um, to Berlin game, had so breakfast, good. walked around, got breakfast? some fills. Um, I wanted to go to Alana's cafe, and they found this little place. I can't remember what it's called, but it um, it has all of their food displayed in a glass case. Oh, interesting! So you, like they like make an avocado toast and show you exactly what it looks yeah. like. Is it Copenhagen? The bakery down there, like cafe bakery? No, but it's a C. There's a C. It's two C's. Oh man, I don't know if I know. Um, There's some good food over there. It was really really good. So we had breakfast, got fills, we walked around Berlin Game, saw like. So many CPC people. That's apparently where people go from CPC (laughs) is is downtown Burlingame. And then we went to, uh, I've been over the week when I was just by myself. Yeah. I got a record player at a garage sale. Nice. It was like 40 bucks. Ended up being total garbage. Yeah. (laughs) So I used that as an excuse to go. There's a reason it was at the the garage sale. (laughs) I actually bought myself 
like a decent record player. Nice. And was getting records. So when yeah. they when I was hanging out with the family, go, let's go to the record store. And they're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. And it, they were all super into it. They yeah, loved it. That's we awesome. Walked around the record store. Everyone got a record. Yeah. And did you know that records are actually pretty part and parcel to my own Sabbath? We so we have a record player in our living room, and when Lindsay and I, if you remember a couple weeks ago, when I kind of detailed ours, we always spend time, you know, kind of you know, unstructured time together on our Sabbath in the mornings, and we always we always put a record on, uh, and so we we do that as well. And do you something have a about that big vinyl collection? No, not big, but I was I was just gifted, or we had some friends of ours just moved into a house and they were moving as they were kind of helping the previous family with some friends they knew that they bought the house from. Um, as they were moving them out, they had some records that I got to go through and found two records that are, are probably, they might be my two all-time favorite albums ever. I don't know if you have any guesses as what these two are. Um, Dallas Willard reads <laughs> Shel Silverstein. <laughs> Reed Shel Silverstein. <laughs> That's perfect. Would you buy that album? I would buy. I would buy it in a heartbeat. Shell <laughs> <laughs> Silverstein. Uh, no, it is um, Bob Dylan. Oh, nice. Blood on the tracks. Uh, or no, yeah, Blood on the tracks. I think it might be the best album ever made. Wow, that's my own. I need to get it as a non-musician. And then the second one, you'll know this one. I don't know if you'd guess it though, but U 2s Joshua Tree. Mm. Uh, they have both of those, and I I snagged them because I was like, those are pure gold. But and those Joshua are good Tree on vinyl so because good. they have they have <sighs> dynamics. Yeah, like a lot of the new music is so compressed, it doesn't have mm. the, mm-hmm. the where it gets really soft and really loud. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Those, yeah, Joshua Tree in particular. Yeah, it's so that's man, cool. So good. Anyway, I interrupted, but that that's good. Records and so the whole family got them. Yeah, records. Uh, Katie took Charlie over. Uh, and this this pizza shop wouldn't let her across from the record shop wouldn't let Charlie use the bathroom unless they <laughs> bought something. So, like, really, you just tell this little seven year old she, <laughs> she can't, can't go, go to the bathroom. bathroom. So Katie bought us all these like popsicles from this pizza nice. shop, nice. and then we went back and went swimming, listened to records. We we're yeah. all just kind of together, sometimes doing our own thing. Then we ended up having some friends over. Love oh, does that still count? Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We had some friends over. Um, Community should actually be a big piece of Sabbath, like, and that's why a lot of you know most would practice Sabbath on the day they gather for church. Mm. Uh, so you can be with your faith community on that day. That's very much part of of Sabbath. So it was great, man. That's so good. It was it was like a little vacation. Yeah, a little weekly vacation. That's, yeah, that's it was the hope. just it was just so or holiday, so nice. a holy day, a weekly holy day. So good. So I have to tell Love you, it. one of the things that you said yesterday that um, it just kind of caught me off guard is this idea that it's not the good news that we always talk about, you know, the good news of the kingdom Yeah, is not, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but is not good news for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like I grew up. I grew up assuming that if anyone heard a proper pitch of the good news, mm. um, they'd be into it. And yeah. even some some ministry philosophy, like if we just sell it right, yeah, 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 <laughs> then it'll then it'll hit. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, a um, Jesus wasn't ever like selling it necessarily. Yeah. Like he wasn't trying to like put some spin on it. No, he's just saying, look, this is the way you were created to live. Yeah. And, you know, um, I don't know, but that it's, yeah. some people are not going to be into it. <clears throat> yeah. 
Yeah, and it, I mean, it's probably worth a little bit of a clarification that it is, in fact, like properly um, ready and received. It is good news for everyone. It's not like there's a subset that it isn't the gospel for, but it's that idea of there are those whose how who, whose hearts are calloused to the idea that they need help. And you know what we see in the Gospel of Mark again is these, particularly the religious elite that Mark's been beaten up on, is you know those elites who are in power, like the kingdom of God coming and Jesus being the Messiah threatened their position. And so for them who were kind of hardened into um, their own sin and their own, um, you know, callousness or whatnot, like it wasn't good news to them. They were going to have to radically transform their life as, as all of us will. But for them, it was, they had power, they had prestige, they had this sort of elite status and the kingdom of God threatened that. And so for them, it was this message of, um, of you know both hope and judgment, and for those who aren't ready to to face that judgment, like it, it really isn't good news. It's going to force them to give up what they're holding on to so dear, and and so I mean it is at some level good news because it's what it's the news they need to hear. Like right, it, it ultimately is. But for those who are hardened and kind of gripping, you know, white knuckled to their current status quo, it's not good news. It's gonna mean a sort of judgment. And and those who can't receive that judgment and recognize that it that the brokenness or the sin within them needs to be judged, it's not going to land like it does for those who are on kind of the underside of power, who are the ones who are experiencing kind of that sort of oppression. It's it's good. It's a, it's almost easier good news for them. Might be a better way to say it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I yeah, the, I guess maybe the reason that it impacted me so much is probably the the conviction of it all. Like I would yeah. love to say it's just the religious leaders that this is affected by, but like, yeah, as I look at my life and I look at how, you know, we sang a song on Sunday that talk that we sing a lot called, uh, it just says I'll build my life on, yeah, on Jesus, the only firm foundation. Yeah. yeah. And I look at, um, I look at how much of my life is propped up by, false narratives yeah by things that by dreams that i have been chasing that maybe mm-hmm. are not dreams you know mm-hmm. maybe not god dreams mm-hmm. by you know bad habits that i have by sin in my life and if you build your life around a system that is broken yeah um it's going to be painful to try to rip that system down yeah and i think that's what yeah, that's what I hear when you when I yes, of course. At the end of the day, yeah, it's it's the best news. Yeah, the news we all need. It's the news that we all need. Yeah. I was starting to think, and I don't know if this is an accurate analogy, Kevin, but I started to think about since we talk about food and <laughs> and health so much in here, um, like either like a diet plan or an exercise plan. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just imagined, I was imagining while you were talking, you coming on that stage and telling this whole church of people like, Hey, God's kingdom yeah. of fitness is yeah. now upon us. <laughs> God has created us and designed yeah. us to be fit, yeah. to be able to run three miles or uh, <laughs> to be, you know, he's designed us to, to, you know, eat a certain way. And, yeah. and the truth is like, if you do that for a long period of time and you eat well and you, and you exercise, yeah, there's going to be a time in which you realize, you know what? This is great. This is good news. This yeah. is, this is great for me. Yeah. But there's going to be, there's a path to that that is so painful. Yeah. And it's so 
uncomfortable. Yes. And you have to you have to fight so many bad habits. Yeah, that's right. Um, that you, <laughs> so many won't go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Myself included. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love. I mean, I love the way you were phrasing that. In there, there, it, there's a path to it, and it's open, and the invitations for all. But it is going to be painful because it will require a reorientation of your life. It will require you to transform your your very like mundane day to day living, like all of that stuff. We don't we don't tend to think of when we think of following Jesus, but that that is what it's going to cost, and that's that's ultimately I think what Jesus was getting at in in this parable was if you if you got ears to hear, you can move into this and move towards it, but it's going to require some some challenging kind of reorientation. So. You said even the disciples yeah. had a hard time yeah. living in the kingdom. Yeah. I mean, you see that with, again, I think I used, I beat up on Peter a little bit. Um, and maybe I beat up on him because I find so much of myself in Peter <laughs> as well. Uh, but, you know, like, so we're in Mark 4. By Mark 8, I believe it is, you know, where Jesus has been proclaiming this kingdom of God. And he's, he's um, you know, talking about what this looks like, which is this sort of self-giving, self-sacrificial love of enemy, love of neighbor, um, laying down your life for the other, like all of these kind of, again, what we would call upside down principles, but it's in the kingdom of God, it's flipping that world right side up, is is Peter by, by chapter eight still doesn't get it. When Jesus says, I've got to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be handed over to the officials and die, Peter rebukes, he's like, no, that's not the way this kingdom works. The kingdom for him, because he'd been baptized in the ways of the world, um, in these sort of old creation dynamics, right? Where it's like the way the world operated was power and might and influence and coercion and manipulation. Um, his vision of the kingdom of God was Jesus doing that for his people, was coming in and, and using the the systems of the old world, the old creation um, to bring about the kingdom of God. But but Jesus essentially says, no, no, the kingdom of God is completely opposite of that. It functions differently. Um, it functions out of new creation dynamics which are, again, when we look out over that grand story of Scripture and think of what is the creation to come, what is that new world that God is ushering in um, through the resurrection? It's one, again, where there's no more sickness, no more illness, no more violence, no more death. That world in Jesus is birthed in the present. Mm. And so for the disciples, they had that chance to say, I can either embrace this new creation, which will con- you know, kind of contrast and repel against old creation, um, or you'll you'll suffer under the consequences of living that way in the old creation, right in the mix of that overlap. And for Peter, he couldn't quite get it, right? He was still caught in this old creation dynamic where he says, no, it has to come this way. Um, but Jesus is saying, that's not how this kingdom of God, that's not the Messiah I am. It's not the new creation I'm bringing. Um, and so he continually struggled. And you see this with all, all the disciples. Um, again, Jesus hanging on the cross and there's no one there. But, you know, I think it's just, mm. you know, a few women that are, are left at the foot of the cross um, because they didn't get it. They didn't get this, this, this gospel, this thing. And they do, right? They figure it out and they continue with, with Jesus, but, but they never fully got it. They struggle with it. And I think there's a sense that probably for us is both like comforting as well as concerning, right? It's like comforting that the disciples couldn't These figure it out. These guys hung out with him. Yeah, daily, moment by moment. But then it's concerning because they did that and they still didn't quite get mm-hmm. it all, right? Well, and, and so... You know, you tell us that a big piece of discipleship is, yeah. I think you said, unlearning the logic of yeah. of the world, yeah, yeah, and then replacing it with the with new an alternative logic. logic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's there's, I mean, again, when we 
we are born into, we live every single day, um, and are formed moment by moment by the way this world operates, by the way the, the old creation dynamics, that alt, you know, the the logic of the world. Um, and so then when the kingdom of God comes and it's announced, it says, hey, here is the good news, um, to live now in light of that. It's not like a good news that may or may not happen. Like Jesus, to your point, where he's not ever trying to sell the gospel, he just says, the kingdom's here. Like you got to deal with it, whether you want to or not, like it's here. And he doesn't manipulate, he doesn't sell it. He just says, this is a reality of the world hmm. and you can choose to live into that or you cannot. And so part of, you know, one of the, the central things of our discipleship is learning this way of Jesus, which requires us to unlearn the way of the world. Hmm. Like the, the way of the world is kind of our default setting. We come in with a set of assumptions about how the world operates and discipleship then is literally like, I love that the vision of, of baptism, right? We're immersing ourselves. We're baptizing ourselves into the way of Jesus so we can take up and learn how to lay down our life for the sake of others, to love our enemies, to um, not be first, but be last and the servant of all. Like all those kingdom dynamics, that, that's the logic. That's the alternative logic. And for the world, it feels foolish because it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. because the world's operating out of an old creation dynamic. Uh, there's a great there's a great example in in Willard as we talked earlier uh, in his book Divine Conspiracy where he talks I think I've preached I've used this example in a sermon but he talks about the kingdom of electricity and yeah. when he was growing up in the Midwest he said you know he lived in a place before there was electricity and when the electric company showed up in town and said hey I've got electricity the kingdom of electricity is here he his family had the choice they could either continue to live with an icebox in the house and candlelight and all that kind of stuff. Or they could choose to reorient their entire house and live into the reality of the kingdom of electricity. But that was going to take rewiring or really wiring the house. It was going to take learning new habits, learning how to preserve food in a fridge, not an ice box, like all those sorts of things where how do I live into the kingdom of electricity now? You don't have to. You don't have to do that. But Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God's here. And retrofitting your house and life yeah. for electricity will be a lot of work. Yeah, a ton of work. You're going to have to undo some habits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it seems kind of foolish to not. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I want you to look at my notes real quick because look at look what I wrote down here. Right there in the parentheses. I don't see parentheses. Oh, okay. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see them now. Exercise, electricity. Yeah, those are the those are the kingdoms that's I thought perfect. of. Perfect. That's so good. See, I'm already I'm already gleaning. <laughs> Look at you. But it, I think it's just such a perfect example because again, it's it's like the fact is the electricity was there. You can choose to live into it or not, and that's what Jesus is doing. The kingdom of God is here, and for us to learn, like to learn how to live with electricity, you have to become a student. The same is true of the kingdom of God. To to live into the kingdom of God, we have to become a student. And who's our who's our teacher? Who's our master electrician, if you will? Right, that, that's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the one. So I I studied a little bit. Uh, Why well, I studied? I read this book about habit theory, and yeah. that we've talked about before. And one of the things that um, neuroscience will tell us is that you can't actually get rid of a habit. Mm. That when you create a habit, you create a neural pathway in yeah. your brain that they can actually see light up. That's crazy. Like a person that's yeah. that is a smoker, you know, yeah. when they have that cue, whatever it is, anxiety or whatever to smoke, you see this specific part of the brain light up. But from my understanding, 
yeah. there's probably a neuroscientist listening that's like, nah, Brandon, you're an idiot. You have no idea what you're talking about. But And so they said, actually, what you have to Be do... Be passionate at cpc.org. Just email him and fix him. They said, what you have to do, you can't just say, I don't want to do it anymore. And that's where yeah. so many of us fail. We say, oh, I have this habit that I want to break. Yeah. Um, and so you just try to not do it, you know, yeah. cold yeah. turkey or whatever. Yeah. Um, and eventually that that neural pathway, it's always going to be there. So you're always going to have that craving. Mm. And so what this book said to do is said to create, use the same neural pathway, um, use the same cue that you have, use a similar reward that you had to create that habit, but insert a different thing. So I'm wondering if like, when you talk about this unlearning, I mean, obviously there are, there are so many things that, yeah. Um, we have to unlearn, but if mm-hmm. you know you picked one, um, yeah. is that is that the way that you would go about it? Like, or would you just say, like, mm. how, I guess my question is, how do you unlearn? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a weird thing. For that's some reason, I'm imagining so being at school, yeah, unlearning, unlearning something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think, I think the real it's actually not unlearning; it's probably relearning, mm. right? It's yeah. like relearning the proper way, which would which would make sense with the way that our brains develop yeah. habit. You're actually, you're actually redoing that habit into something that's going to work for your benefit instead of against you. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. No, I, I think, you know, one of the, um, I think you're right on like, how do we, you know, whether it's relearn or unlearn, but it's this idea of you have a kind of mental map of how reality works and you live from there. Right. And so that's that, whatever those habits we create. Um, I've heard a different um, pastor talk about, how discipleship is is learning the neural pathways of Jesus. And they talk about exactly what uh-huh. you're saying, like taking on the mental maps of Jesus and how he understands the uh-huh. way the world works, uh, which, I, which I think is brilliant that, you know, again, because I think there, when you look at like neuroscience, to me, it is unbelievably just saturated with God. Like we, yeah. we tend to think yeah, in yeah, science yeah. terms and think the Holy Spirit isn't involved there. <laughs> but come on, neural <laughs> pathways firing that create oh. how we like – is that not like could that not be the way the Holy Spirit operates? Like it's beautiful. And Jesus clearly knew how our brains worked. Yeah, you just tell the way that He lived His life. Mm-hmm. You know? And this is where I think honestly, like some things like the spiritual disciplines and practices that the church has cultivated for thousands of years um, come into play, where they may not have had the language of modern science to talk about neural pathways, but but practices of like meditation and prayer and Sabbath and all these sorts of things. I think that the, the, you know the early Christians were onto something. They understood the way in which God and the Holy Spirit interact with habits to create different neural pathways. Um, and so I think there, there, there's something in there that like the church has cultivated these disciplines for centuries because they work, because they in fact do open our lives up more and more to the Holy Spirit's transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, you know, it would behoove us to to listen and follow that tradition. But on the unlearning thing, I want to in and. Um, you know, Je- Jesus understood that idea of like, how do we unlearn? And we often want to jump straight to, um, you know, kind of the end. Like, again, I always, I always talk about love of enemy because to me that, that is such a challenge, a challenging teaching. And we often, when we approach something like that, like the, the default logic of the world would be to hate your enemy. There's nothing in our world that would say not to hate your enemy. Like there's no moral foundation, no moral framework uh, that they could stand of that holds its like kind of its, its rational weight that says it's not okay to, to hate your enemy, right? Uh, now, most people wouldn't say that, but when you really get down to it, they have no moral framework to just love their enemy. It doesn't make sense. Um, so when Jesus then says, love your enemy, what most of us do operating from that old creation 
is we wait for the moment when we're confronted with our enemy and then we try to change the habit that's been ingrained in us to hate our enemy. And in that moment, we just think, okay, now I have to love him or love her or whatever mm. it is. I have to love my enemy. Mm. But you can't. You literally can't. Like you're, everything, your disposition has been wired to hate your enemy. And so you have to then take on the kind of life that would transform your neural pathways and everything that's going on in your brain that's infused with the Holy Spirit under Jesus' guidance to become the kind of person when in that moment you begin to love your enemy. Like that becomes the natural disposition. Um, and think of like, again, that's still pretty ethereal, right? Like, and so Jesus gets really practical in the Sermon on the Mount, which at some point we'll preach a, ser- a series through the Sermon on the Mount. I think it's just stunning how brilliant it is. But this is from Matthew 5. Um, 38 through 42. He says, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to, wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. All right, so Jesus is getting at this idea. You've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Okay, which is again, it's just it's a an ethic of retaliation. They punch you, you can punch them back. Yeah, um, right. It's it's honestly very much what Dr. King, you know, Martin Luther King would would pick up on. Like, you can't fight hate with hate. It doesn't do anything. Mm. And and Jesus is saying, I look and you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. He says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Right. He's saying, do not. Um, and the the language there in the Greek is actually a bit messy. It's more of like, don't retaliate in the same with the same evil that the evil person did hmm. um, that's not like don't resist an evil person um, but then listen to listen to the example he gives because so you're still not at like what do i actually do but he goes on and says if anyone slaps you on the right cheek turn to them the other also he says then if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt hand over your coat as well and then this last one i think is really helpful he says if anyone forced you to go one mile go with them two miles see jesus here is saying you can't necessarily get to the place where you just love your enemy or respond without retaliating the same way. So I think that last example is really easy to see. He says, if someone's forcing you to go one mile, what you can do in that moment is just keep walking. Just walk the second mile. Wow. And in doing that, you're learning. That's a practical step you can do to which you are learning not to retaliate with the same evil which they're perpetuating on you. So the response is, as that person's forcing you to take to go one mile, right, is the response isn't, well, I'm going to I'm gonna own up, I'm going to be more powerful, and I'm going to make them go a mile. Yeah. That's what the logic of the world would say. Jesus says, no, no, no. When you get to the end of that mile, and that person who forced you to do that is expecting you to stop, and you go a second, all of a sudden, they're a bit on tilt. They're like, what's, what's going on? Why is he continuing on? Why is he going further? And all of a sudden, like, there's a, there was a power differential that's no longer there, where Jesus is now teaching you that we respond differently. Yeah. And yet it still brings about practical change. Mm. Um, like there's something to, again, that logic and the alternative logic of the kingdom of God. That's good. So. And to bring so, it into like even the parable we talked about and what we were kind of br- bridging from here with, you know, the disciples is not all of us want that. <laughs> yeah. A lot of us just want to retaliate. We want to hate our enemy. We don't actually want this message of the kingdom of God that says to love your enemy is better than to hate. Uh, like if we really are honest with ourselves, some of us are like the seed thrown on the hardened soil. And when all of a sudden that, or we're the hardened soil where the, the seed of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom of God is thrown at us, we don't actually want it. Yeah. Um, and that's, 
brutally difficult. And Jesus, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I've told you about a, a friend I had a long time ago that was um, a drug addict. I tell you about that, and he would, I think so. He would reach out when he was at his lowest low. You know, he'd yeah. usually like be coming down off of whatever he was on, and um, he'd be at his worst, and that's when mm-hmm. he would text me a, like a, a, a cry for help. Mm. And so I spent a couple years trying hmm. to respond to this guy when he would reach out to me and, you know, pray for him, bring him verses, you know, um, help him however I could. Yeah. And I just remember one day asking him, hey, do you want to stop doing mm. this? Um, yeah. And he said, I, th- I probably have said this in the podcast. Sorry, everybody. But um, I just I just never forget. He said. I I don't know, mm. and that's when I was like, "Well, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> Why am I trying yeah. to help you when you don't yeah. want you don't want?" And to I help. just think about like the like Jesus, you know, He's not going to force us. Yeah, yeah. He's look if you don't want this, like yeah, it, yeah. It probably makes him sad. Yeah, no um, doubt. It grieves his heart because he loves us, but at the end of the day, like we have the choice. Yeah, we can decide if we want to do this or not yeah and he's gonna say look this is this is how i designed you this is how i created you but it's still gonna be your choice you know whether jesus is constantly putting the ball back in our court Hmm. and he's saying hey those who have ears let them hear like if you want to hear it's here for you like your friend like you want you want to get better it's here you know i think of the rich young ruler right who comes to jesus saying uh you know what must i do to inherit eternal life um, and Jesus goes through the list, like, oh, do this, do this, do this. And he's like, hey, I've done all those. I've kept all the laws. I've, I've done all that. And he says, well, now go sell everything you have and follow me. And he walks away sad because he can't do that. He didn't want, at the end of the day, the treasure that he had in his riches was not in comparison to what he found in Jesus. And he wanted the riches more. And there does come down to that point. And that's, that I think, honestly, as we were looking at um, the, the, the soil of the thorns, right, that deceitfulness of wealth. Like that in particular for the rich young ruler was that it was, it was offering him a good life. And in his mind, for whatever reason, that was better than life with Jesus. Like when it really came to like brass tacks, like he didn't want to follow Jesus as much as he wanted that. And that's, that's hard. You know I mean? I guess we've talked a lot about strongest desire, deepest desire. And I think, I think we've talked about on the, on the podcast too, but that's sometimes in those moments we feel a strong desire for like your friend to, to get another hit or whatever it was to not really do that. And what you asked that question, like, do you want to get better? That's, that's getting at his deepest, like what is his deepest desire at his core? And when we, and I think that's the difference between, um, you know, those who say they want to follow Jesus and those who, who resist is the follower of Jesus, whether or not they figure it out and get there, it's their deepest desire at their core is saying, no, I want yeah. to follow this Jesus. Wow. And then it's, how do we get these strong desires in alignment with your deep desire? Hmm. Um, that's, that's the work again of discipleship. That's so good. Yeah, I, I want to. I want you to talk about that a little bit because that the thorns, you know, the seed that falls yeah. in the thorns. You know, sometimes like you make these, you turn this into like some really clear, concise points. Mm. And when I'm other times I don't. <laughs> when I'm listening to this um, yesterday, you had these three things. I'm realizing this is not you. This is the Bible. Yeah, yeah. The three things that it says, um, the thorns that choke out the yeah. seed 
worries of this life. Mm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if you're not convicted, yeah. Uh the worries of this life is something that is choking out. Yeah. The seeds of fruitfulness. Yeah. Um that's incredible the deceitfulness of wealth. Mm. Um yeah. yeah, it doesn't say um I don't know. Is this, does that mean that wealth? I don't think that means that wealth is is inherently evil. But yeah, the, but it poses unique challenges. It does. And I mean, that's that's think of Jesus' other teaching on it, where he says, you know, it is it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Like that. That's that's a statement we don't like to read. Living in one of the most expensive areas in the country, but he says it's hard. He says, it's really, really hard. He says, you know, later on in that text, he'll say, you know, nothing's impossible with God. He says, but it's hard. And, and that deceitfulness of wealth poses unique challenges to maybe other issues. Well, um, I think so much of, of, there's probably lots of different reasons why people acquire wealth, but I know that one big one, and this is one for me, not that I would consider myself a wealthy person, but <laughs> is security. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if I have a certain if I have a certain cushion, yeah, in my life, or I know that my retirement's on track, or I know that mm. my house is doing well, or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. I'm not in a ton of debt. Like, um, there's security in yeah. in that. Yeah, um, it numbs it numbs our um, our deeper needs. You know, what I mean, because we can we can satisfy other things. And so I think, I think that's part of, which I, I don't think I brought out as much as I maybe liked on Sunday, but that idea again of it gives us a taste of the good life. It's not the, the good life Jesus has on offer. Uh, it's a little bit, you know, the wealth is, as we said, is, is probably fairly neutral to that on its own. But if we don't recognize the unique challenges it poses, um, it might choke out that life without us even knowing it. You know what I mean? So let's talk about the worries of this life. How? Yeah. And the unlearning. So let's say you have someone right now who's listening, hmm. who, like many of us, are you know watching the world and feels yeah. like everything is falling apart, and you know, and we kind of live with this just general worry in our in our yeah. world. Like, how do we un how how do we unlearn? Yeah, that? <laughs> you know, and 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 how would you how would you help yeah. us through that without? Giving us some Jesus juke, yeah, you know, like just trust God. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, no, it's um, it's interesting how broad that category is, right? The worries of this life, um, particularly when it's followed up by the very specific deceitfulness of wealth. Mm. And it's interesting, you know, when I think of the worries of this life, like we were talking before we flipped record um, about some of the parenting, you know, like anxieties that we have and, yeah. and as we're trying to, to be good fathers and husbands and, um, you know, trying to do those things like there, there's, there's a lot of inherent worry that happens there and stress and anxiety. And what I think can happen is those worries become, um, the only filter for which we see the world. And, and so they, they, they kind of blind us to the bigger thing that's going on right in life. And, and I think some of those things, like, and, and the word for, for the worries is like care or anxiety or, you know, like, um, I would map on the word like stress, you know what I mean? And, and so I think there's kind of two things going on here. I think we often want to just think, if I just pray it away, it'll go away. Hmm. Um, 
but the reality is those, those sorts of worries may not be there. They may be in your life for whatever reason. It could be family of origin issues that you were raised in a family with trauma and um, challenge that, that you had to, uh, your mind had to cope with. And so it created systems and anxiety struggles that, that were really for your protection, but now are wreaking havoc. Um, it could be decisions you've made, right? Like where you've just made the wrong decision. You're, you're in a sort of sin that's causing and wreaking havoc in your life as well. And those sorts of things have to be uprooted and usually can't be done alone. Mm. Um, I mean, honestly, like th- that's, that's why I'm, that's why I'm in therapy, right? Like me, it's like who I, I feel like I'm not in a crisis mode, but there, there are things and habits and anxieties that, that have to be worked out. Yeah. And oftentimes we, we forget that like one of those common graces is something like a therapist or a really good friend or a community um, where you can begin to see and, and converse in your life um, to help uproot those things that you can't see. Um, like to me, that's been the biggest gift where pretty much every Monday I sit with my therapist and he's, it's just a second set of eyes on my life to help me see the things I can't see. Um, those sorts of worries of my life that are entrapping me and tangling me up. Yeah. Um, like we need, we need that sort of rich community. Um, and so that, that would be where we're, and don't discount that God's not involved in that. Like we, yeah, yeah. we divorce God from those spaces, but my goodness, like that's, that's part of what God has given us as the body of Christ is these various different gifts and skill sets and vocations to help us uproot all of that in there to do that with the guidance of others um, under the, the kind of quote, like supervision of the Holy spirit, if you will. Um, and so I think that's, that's where I would start. Like if, if someone's out there and you're listening and you're like, these anxieties and stressors are plaguing me, um, man, Jesus want, Jesus wants you to be emotionally healthy, right? He wants you to have those things and work through those things with you, those past traumas that that hurt that you've had from from childhood or or has been inflicted recently, like those sorts of things. Like God, God wants to walk through those seasons with you, yeah. and has equipped others to do that with you as well. Yeah, I, I just remember maybe a couple podcasts ago bringing up this idea to not forget the reward of all of this. Like, yeah as we look at tackling stuff that there are undoubtedly people that are looking at the things that they have to untangle and the things yeah. that they have to unlearn. And it's a daunting yeah. road ahead. Yeah. And it, it can be really discouraging thinking, how am I going to tackle this? How am I going to, yeah. um, how am I going to, you know, fix these, these problems? And I just don't forget that part of this, part of the the reward or maybe the reward is that you're doing this that you partner with God mm-hmm. in this, that you're mm-hmm. partnering with the Holy Spirit, who, by the way, designed you, yeah. knows what makes you tick, knows your thoughts, knows yeah. your dreams, knows your deepest longings, but below what you think your chief desire is right now, yeah. he knows what's really in your heart. Yeah, And this isn't something that you do alone. It's something yeah. that we do, A, we do it together, yeah. like you said, as mm-hmm. a community, as friends, um, uh, with professional help, with therapists, whatever. Um, but also, God joins us on this journey. And I think that reward is what keeps you going. Yeah. yeah. Realizing that, oh my gosh, I didn't think that could change in my life. Yeah. I didn't think. And then you look back and you suddenly see yeah, God was with you that whole time. And, and yeah. now something is different. When you start getting a taste of that, 
you start seeing this broken willingness that the disciples yeah. had. Yeah, yeah. Where we're gonna we're gonna take two steps forward and one step back, maybe. Yeah. But we're gonna continue to move forward together. Um, in the it's that peace that transcends understanding, right? Isn't that? I think it's in like Philippians where Paul talks about that. But but that's like that's there. Like there, you can have a peace to those sorts of worries of this life, and it will, in fact, again, I think when he says transcends understanding, like. It again is foolishness to the world, um, but yet somehow, like that sort of life transformation can in fact take place, and the kingdom of God is available. And and I don't know. I was just I was over and over, and I probably said it too much on Sunday. I was just over and over when I studied this parable, struck by again how um, gently matter of fact Jesus was. I don't. I really don't think when he's talking about these souls, I don't catch a tinge of like shame. I think he's just saying this is what it's going to be like. There will be some on the hard path. There will be some on the rocks. There'll be some in the thorns. Um, and he's just saying that that's what happens. And he's just kind of laying it out. He says, but you can, in fact, be that good soil. You can receive this kingdom of God. If you want to, if you're willing, you can receive this. And I don't know, there was such a gentleness, I think, that I haven't read on this parable before. Mm. Like as a kid, I often heard this a little more, you got to be good soil. Yeah. And, and you yeah. know, and. And it felt much more invitational when I was kind of studying it a little more and realizing, man, Jesus wants, he wants us to be the good soul. He want, He desires that wholeness. He desires for us to live into the reality of the kingdom of God. And that makes sense in the context of everything we've been reading in the first three yeah. chapters of Mark, that all along the way, Jesus is inviting people yeah. to be along with him. It is, it is an invitation. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, that's good. I hope this is helpful for you. Uh, I think Sandy put a way to reach out to us now um, in there in the show notes from last week. So, Sandy, do that again. Yeah, we didn't talk about how we both, all three of us, blanked on what an email was when we were talking yeah. about how to reach out to us. <laughs> she has a special email. Excellent. I think it's like communications at cpc.org or something. Nice. I don't, I don't know who it goes to or if it just goes to like an incendiary box. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You can always email us directly, too, or that one in the show notes will work, too. Yeah. Anyway, um, thanks for checking in, you guys, and we will talk to you more next week.